I want to continue on my series this morning, Christ in the book of Acts. You will find Christ everywhere in this book. Amen? Hallelujah. So, I think it was Spurgeon when he sent out over the weekend his uh, students to preach in the different suburbs in England or in, in London. And so he always said, preach about Christ. And when they returned, he was asking, what did you preach? And one said, well, I preached something from the Old Testament and I couldn't find anything about Christ. He said, listen, here in London, every road from wherever you come leads to London. So every road in this book and everything leads to Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Even in the Old Testament. And it's so interesting. And as we were listening, I think, last night, Ellen and I, to um, uh, Amir Safari, and you have heard of him, and he is a wonderful, blessed man. And he was speaking very clearly about the things. And so we were at the Red Sea. And I didn't know why the Red Sea is being called Red Sea. Did you know that? So it was, uh, uh, he had a few people, perhaps 20 people or even more, who came to him. And we were, they were sitting there and he faced to the people and behind him was the Red Sea. And he turned around and said, do you see the mountains over there? These mountains appear to be red. And that's why the Red Sea is being called Red Sea. And all these wonderful things. And I listened to him and I must say, it was a blessing. And I believe some of you listened to him when he was here in, uh, uh, what is it called again? Here in the mountains. Yeah, Belgrave Heights. And so I think it was a blessing for them. This morning I want to continue from uh, X chapter 19, the verses 1 to 10. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. It is wonderful when a pastor or a preacher comes back from his holiday or his journey and he comes back and there are new people in the church being saved. Amen. And you know what it shows me? That not, it's not the pastor's work when people got saved. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because while uh, Paul was away, there was Apollos and he preached the gospel and Perhaps, and as it looks like, these disciples were disciples of Apollos who was preaching there while Paul was away. But Paul had one question, and we need to have an answer on the question. When he came to the church, a church and saw new people there, and he knew that these were Christians, they were new disciples, and he said, verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now this is not something I said as a Pentecostal. And you know I'm a Pentecostal preacher. That's not what I said. That's what Paul said. And we all esteem Paul as a man, an apostle of God. Hallelujah. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Have you heard this morning, brothers and sisters, that there is the Holy Spirit? Have you heard about do you walk in the Holy Spirit? And that's important. The Holy Spirit has a very vital part in our life when we walk with Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. 
And he said, into what then were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. A real Pentecostal meeting. Amen? A real Pentecostal meeting. There was speaking in tongues. There was prophecy through the Holy Spirit. And that's so important. They were in all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil, evil of the way before the people, he therefore, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that he, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and and Greek. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the words the Apostle Paul, whom you have sent out, O Lord. He spoke the word of God, Lord, and let us learn this morning. I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that your spirit might enlighten our hearts, that this morning we all might be filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, in a new and fresh way. I thank you and I bless you. Your word is truth. Hallelujah. And we thank the Lord Jesus that you always stick to your word. And I pray, give grace to speak your word. Give grace to believe your word. And also give grace to act upon your word, the precious word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we see here something. Paul, during his ministry, uh, traveling, he left Priscilla and Aquila. You heard about these two people last time. He left them at Ephesus. And Paul was uh, turning into other places. And we read there in Acts chapter 18, verse 21. But taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills. So he set sail from Ephesus. He was there before but he went somewhere else. Now, and during his absence, people got saved. Wonderful, hallelujah. It's good if a church is active, even if the pastor is not around, amen? Hallelujah. And that's important. And Paul came back, he saw that the church has grown. At least 12 people came to the Lord and believed in him. They might have become believers through the ministry of Apollos, what I believe. And he had a question, and this question is so important. Paul didn't ask any question which were theological impossible. He was a theologian himself, wasn't he? And he knew the scriptures. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became born again or when you believed. What did Paul mean with this question? He didn't question their faith in Jesus Christ. He accepted them as believers. Now Paul knew it from his own experience that he received the Holy Spirit when he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And we read it very clearly. Get your Bible. Hopefully you have your Bible here this morning. In Acts chapter 9, the verses 12 to 18. And remember this 
what God spoke to Ananias, the disciple there in Damascus. Let's read. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hand on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, he sent me so that you may receive your sight and be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. This disciple knew something, and that was the order he got from the Lord through the Spirit of God. Go into this street, and it's called the straight, wasn't it? I think it was the straight. Go there, there's a man, Saul. Oh, I know the Saul. He is the one who persecuted us. Now he is praying. He is praying, hallelujah. Never ever look back what a person was before he came to the Lord. Because the Lord dealt with the soul. And he heard, go, for he is what? He is praying. Praying soul? He was a persecutor. He went to every place. And if he found Christians who believed in Jesus, he brought them and took them to Jerusalem to be persecuted. <clears throat> and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes like scales. And he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Now we don't read here particularly that the apostle Paul, or then still Saul, spoke in tongues. Did he speak in tongues? The Bible doesn't say it here in this particular part. But I believe, and Paul himself confesses, he confessed it to the Corinthians. And we know he spoke to the Corinthians, especially, especially in chapter 14, uh, 12 and 14, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he explained it because somehow the Corinthians might have gotten or might have lost the balance about these things. They thought speaking in tongues is everything. No, to be born again is everything. To be led by the Holy Spirit is everything. There is no minor truth or major truth in the Bible. Every truth is truth because it comes from God. Because there is no major God or minor God. It comes from God, from the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And Paul is teaching about him very clearly in chapter 14, verse 2, 1 Corinthians. The one who speaks in tongues does not speak to man. This is a very, very important thing. I heard often from people who are so-called, and I call them, anti-Pentecostals. They hate somehow the gifts of the Spirit. How can you hate a gift from God? How can you hate it? Now, he says very clearly and explains to them, listen, the one who speaks in, in tongues does not speak to man but to God. For no one understands but in his spirit he speaks what? mysteries. There's something wonderful going on if a person has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaks in other tongues. Paul is not saying down, down, but he's speaking in tongues here in Koran. No, he is explaining and tells him if you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to the people. You're speaking to God. In order for me to understand you, I have to speak English, and sometimes I get it, don't I? Sometimes I have also a German word in between. My wife, she says, today you put a German word in between. Forgive me, I try my best to speak your language. Thank you very much. Now I want to speak that you would understand. If I would speak this morning 
although my heart is full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I could speak in tongues, but I'm not doing it because I want to edify you that you should understand the things I received from the Lord while I was studying the Scripture. Paul wanted it for these 12 disciples or believers, the same what he experienced. We can't give anything we never receive in the first place. A pastor who doesn't receive anything from the Lord has nothing to say. We want to hear what somebody or a minister received and became and got from the Lord. That's what we want to hear. And the Lord gave me this very clearly. And I learned it very clearly. You know, Jesus told a story about three friends. Anybody knows the story about three friends? No? Do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? There were three friends. I'm not talking about the four friends who brought this guy who was paralytic through the roof. There were four. But Jesus speaks about three friends. Get your Bible. Get your Bible. Luke chapter 15, the verses 5 to 8. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, of course, of bread. For a friend of mine, this is the second friend. The first friend, he is at home and he got a visit from another friend. And he didn't have anything to set before him. And he said, well, I know another friend. There's another friend. And this other friend is the third friend. And he goes to him in the middle of the night. And he says, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey. Now Luther says, from the street, there was a friend who didn't have bread. There was a friend coming from the streets. And there was a friend he knew, but it was midnight. He was in trouble. And I would say, I have nothing to set before him. And he goes to him, and from the inside, he says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. A horrible situation. That means you wanted to give something to your friend who came from the street, who was on the journey. And you know, well, I've got a friend here living. I want to look in and drop in, as we say in Australia. I just want to drop in. And he comes in and says, how are you? Oh, it's very late. And it's a Jewish custom. If you get a visitor, you put something before him to eat or to drink. Is it right? And that's normal. That's why the Apostle Peter says, don't forget to be hospitable. Have you ever read this? Don't forget to be hospitable. That means, in other words, if a friend of you or a brother and sister comes and visited you, you should have something to set before him. Now, and he didn't have anything. And he knew, I have gotten another friend. There's a friend from the street. I'm his friend and he is my friend. And there's a third friend. And the third friend, he knew he might have something. But the time, it is at night. You don't go at night and visit somebody, do you? Pastor, have you ever done it in your ministry before? Unless you were called. Because people were 
ill or so and sick. No, you don't go there at midtime, midnight. And he went there, knocked at the door, and said, listen, I've got a friend from the street. I've got a friend from the street, as Luther says it. Your Bible says this, I've got a friend from a journey. He was on a journey, he passed through this area. And I have nothing to give him. And he said, listen, you come actually in a very inconvenient time at 12 o'clock in the night. In those days, people went certainly early to bed. And all my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and the door is shut. And what does Jesus say? I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, yet because why? Why does all of a sudden the door open? Why? Because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he what? Needs. My friend from the street, he's a very hungry guy. And he give him perhaps two or three loaves and even more. Now we see here something. Unless we receive something, we can't give anything. Unless a pastor doesn't receive anything from the Lord. And he is our best friend. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you know this wonderful song? What a friend we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. I went to him. While I was preparing this sermon, I went to this friend. And he gave me something. Hallelujah. What I'm preaching this morning is what the Lord gave me. That's why the Apostle Paul asked, have you received the Holy Spirit when you got saved or when you believed? And he said, no, we haven't heard anything whether there is a Holy Spirit at all. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's so important. Hallelujah. And we remember Jesus, remember the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And I quoted from Mark 1.8. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I don't mean anything else but that what Paul meant here. Ah, through the Holy Spirit we have been baptized into the body of Christ. Amen. That's not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, what is actually a baptism? We have got a few Greek people here in our church and they can tell you exactly a baptism, the Greek word is baptisma, is like a cloth dipped in a dye. When you wanted to have a nice yarn or a, a nice cloth being dyed in a nice color, perhaps red. Anybody likes the color red? I do. Or the color yellow? I do. I do. Now, I've got this morning a pink shirt on. How dear sisters here in the front realize that. Said so that is not my doing, it's Ella's doing. She does it. Now, this was not pink always. This cloth or this fabric has been dyed. That, that means it was perhaps white. And there's the dye, and the dye is the baptismal element 
this cloth has to be baptized and plunged in and really, really saturated by the dye. And that's the idea of baptism. That's the idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit that you and I, we can fully emerge in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's what I mean of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Nothing else. That's what Paul meant about. And that's what Paul preached about. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you first believed or when you believed in the Lord? Have you? He said, no. We never heard of a Holy Spirit. And you see here, Paul knew exactly, and also Aquila and Priscilla. Now I quoted them the German way. Men first and then ladies, but the Bible was here different around first, the lady, then the man. Remember from last sermon? Yes? Who was named first then? Aquila? No. Priscilla and Aquila realized that Apollos' preaching, there was something lacking. And I spoke about a lady that was switched on. We have got people in this church, and ladies, they are switched on. Hallelujah. And it's good. Amen? Now, they realized something was missing in the preaching and sermon of Apollos because he only heard the gospel through John the Baptist. He perhaps never met Jesus himself. And he preached what he knew, but there was something missing. And Paul asked the thing, have you received that what Priscilla and Aquila, in my words, detected that was missing with Apollos? Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Oh, we don't know whether there's a Holy Spirit. Never ever preach what you never received yourself unless you receive three breads of loaves, loaves of bread from our greatest friend, Jesus. Then you can give something, amen? Hallelujah. And every pastor knows exactly whether he's preaching something he received from the Lord. Haven't we heard this morning as Sean was reading the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, yeah? I received it, Sean. What did the Bible say? I received it from the Lord which I've given you. It was that Paul's idea. He had a meeting with the Lord in prayer perhaps or whatever. Somehow Paul was in relationship with the Lord. I received it from the Lord which I've given to you. And he quoted exactly as it happened in the Gospels. Now, A baptism is full immersion into the Holy Spirit. And that's so important. That's what is being called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You might have gotten perhaps enlightenment of a certain scripture from the Lord. That's not what Paul is asking about. He asked about, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what did he say? He said, no. We haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. Haven't you? Now, then they got baptized. And they got baptized the way Jesus preached about. Remember, a baptism in the Holy Spirit is a full immersion in the baptismal element. And the baptismal element is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 
I read recently a uh, little booklet in German I found while I was while we were with our friend Johann Foreman. And it is a book, I think, from the pastor in Toronto, an old pastor from a people church. And he wrote a book, No Revival Without Repentance. No Revival Without Repentance. You should read this book. And I read the book, I must say, boy, oh boy. And he speaks about revival of the early time in the early 20th century, where people got filled with the Holy Spirit, where people repented, and their life was 100% turned around. They didn't want to have any, anything to have with the pleasures of this world anymore. The greatest joy we have is in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you haven't experienced the joy in the Holy Spirit, the joy in Jesus, then you will look for anything in the world. But there is no greater joy than being full of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Now, there are a few baptisms, and I want to explain about them. There's the baptism for proselytes. And these people were at Pentecost. Did you know them? And we read it in Acts chapter 2, verse 10. And... There are a number of people from where they came mentioned, and it starts, people from Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the district of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Jews and get your Bible. On, and what? Proselytes. Who are these people? What, what people were these, these proselytes? Anybody knows about? Now every person, every Gentile, if they looked as Israel, they realized something, there is a God in Israel. And what is the name of the God of Israel? Anybody knows it? Yahweh. Or the German way, Jehovah. Now these were people who were envious of Israel. And I believe in all the countries out around Israel now, they are very angry because the God of Israel is still active. Amen. He is still active. He is still active, hallelujah. God loves his people, Israel, amen? Now there were people, and we see them also in the New Testament, this Roman or Italian officer in Caesarea at the sea. He was a proselyte. He realized Israel is worth to be blessed, and he gave arms to the Jews. He blessed them. And let's bless Israel and pray for Israel too. That's what the Bible says. We should say Paul, he was in a heart so engaged. He wanted that all of Israel should be saved and should get to know the name and the power of the name of Jesus. Now the baptism of proselytes. These were people who were interested in the God of Israel. And they said goodbye to all their heathen religion. And they got baptized with a baptism. And this baptism into a society of Jews was called the proselyte baptism. They knew something. 
and they were interested in the wonderful word of God, even it was the Old Testament. They couldn't deny Israel has got a God, and we only have little gods. Israel has got God, and this God is alive, and his name is Yahweh. Yahweh. Although some so-called preachers nowadays, they think and they preach it and say, Allah and the God of Israel are the same. Are not. The God of Israel is Yahweh, revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now and then, there's a baptism of believers. Here's the only thing what I could say. An anabaptist. Anabaptism. We as believers in Jesus Christ, including the Baptists, we have been called anabaptists. I'm not an Anabaptist. I was sprinkled as a little Lutheran boy. This was not a baptism. It was a sprinkling. That's why I'm not an Anabaptist. But these 12, they were baptized through John the Baptist. And he did the baptism action actually right as it means. They were fully immersed then. And now they believe in that Jesus John the Baptist spoke about, he will come after me. And he will baptize you, what then? What then? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, it was preached then. Now, these 12 got baptized again. In the mere action of baptism, I could call it anabaptist or anabaptism. They were fully emerged, but now they got baptized according to what the Bible says in Mark 16, 16, and also Matthew chapter 28, the verses 19 and a little bit more. Now, the baptism of believers in Jesus. And that is Mark 16, 16. He who has believed and what? He who has believed and what? Anybody can tell me? I can read it because I haven't got eyes there. I have to turn it around. Oh, it's not there. Mark 16, 16. Everybody or he who believes and be baptized. Now you tell me baptism is not important. It is as important as believing is important. He who has believed and be baptized shall be saved. But he who does not, who he who disbelieves shall be condemned. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you been baptized? If not, you need to be baptized. That's what Jesus said very clearly. Then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, 15, just before Pentecost. And we read there, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many, what does it say, heavy? Can we have it perhaps? Not many days from now, there was X15. X15. 
read it here. X15. Then there's a baptism of suffering. And let's read the scripture, Luke 12, verse 50. Jesus himself, he spoke about to receive this baptism. Luke 12, 50. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. There is a baptism of suffering. And we know Jesus, he was, he knew it is something he has to face. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. There was a baptism of suffering. Jesus suffered a horrible, horrible pain on the cross. And when we have the supper of the Lord, when we have this, we should never forget what Jesus did, what he experienced. When he was on the cross, he suffered horrendously when he gave his body a sacrifice for you and me. The church nowadays also in different areas gets baptized with a baptism of suffering. Of suffering. In countries, perhaps in Muslimic countries, they experience these things and how wonderfully the Lord is with them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A few Sundays ago, I told you the story about a group of Christians from Nigeria. And they should be killed and put against the wall and mowed down with machine guns or guns. But children, some children saw Jesus and said, don't worry, Jesus is with us. There will nothing happen to us. And all these people stood against the wall. And I don't want to repeat it. You can listen to the sermon a few Sundays ago. And while they were just aiming at them with their guns, all of a sudden, snakes fell upon them. And they cried out, snakes, snakes! And stopped straight away. One of the Christians wanted to pick up the gun and turned him against the Muslims. A little girl, about five years clung to his arm and said, don't do it, and held his arm down. Don't do it. Can't you see all the ones who are fighting for us? There are so many clothed in white. They're fighting for us. And all these Christians were let out of the danger zone, and the Lord protected them. Now we see God worked miracles through the hands of the Apostle Paul. And I read it through already. It's something I'm going to preach this Sunday when I'm on in two weeks. Now we see at first when the Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost, there was no one, and that's interesting, no one to lay hands on all the 120 people on the upper room. But what happened, Acts 2, 3 and 4, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, 
and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the what? With whom? They were all filled what? Whom? With the Holy Spirit. Do you know how important the Holy Spirit is a part in our walk with Jesus? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Is that biblical, yes or no? Is it? Has God done it then perfectly? Is there anything to say against it? No. All the 120 were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they started to speak in other tongues. Peter and John laid hands upon the people in Samaria. And we read in Acts chapter 8, the verses 14 to 17. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and is on your know. They sent them Peter and John. I think they're all believers now. But somehow the apostles in Jerusalem, which were real, real apostles. I wouldn't say that Peter was a bad apostle. I wouldn't say that John was a false or phony apostle. These were genuine apostles when they heard that the gospel was preached in Samaria and they received it and people got baptized. What happened? Then the apostles sent whom? Peter and John to Samaria. What happened there? I read again from verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive what? On whom? That they might receive what? The Holy Spirit. Is the question right when Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Was it a right question or a super-duper Pentecostal question? No. It was a biblical question as I believe the Apostle Paul was absolutely to the dot biblical. Anybody who believes it too? That the Apostle Paul was to the dot biblical. One who believes it else. I, two, three, four, five, six. Hand up. Seven, eight. You too, Pastor Gary? Ten. The Apostle Paul was absolutely through and through biblical. Did he have a right to ask this question? Yes or no? He did it. He did it. I believe he was led by the Holy Spirit as well. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 8 to Samaria. I might read it again from verse 14. But now when the apostle in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For they have, had not yet fall, or, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They were believers, weren't they? They were believers, weren't they? But what does the Bible say? But he, the Holy Spirit, had not been falling 
upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving, read it on, read it on. And they were receiving, read it on. What? They were receiving the Holy Spirit. They were baptized, actually unbaptized, because the first baptism might have been just a baptism of repentance, because Apollos knew only the baptism of John the Baptist. Now Jesus ordered a baptism, and we call it the baptism of believers. And here we come to Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, back to Ephesus. John the, uh, Paul, when he heard they weren't baptized in the Spirit, never received the Holy Spirit. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began Speaking with, read it. And he began speaking with, have you got it up there? Can we have it quickly? That is chapter 19, X, verse 4, verse 6. Can we have it? Is it there? Yes. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with all together. They were speaking with, with tongues. They were speaking with tongues. And what else? And what? Prophesying. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were evident here. Hallelujah. Remember, Paul put, or put in two chapters together and taught on speaking in tongues and prophesying. What he did there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, is that in the Bible? Is it? Is it in the Bible? If you don't believe it's in the Bible, I can stop preaching. That means you don't want to hear it, do you? Paul dedicated two chapters on the speaking in tongues and prophesying on the gifts at all, in all. And we see here something interesting. If you read further from Acts chapter 19. This was a preparation or the equipment for something that was going to happen in the next verses. What happened in the next verses? Have you read it? I've read it. And I'm going to preach about next time. There was a spiritual battle. Pastor Gary, you said I'm a pacifist, that's true. But in this regard, I know we have to be prepared for spiritual battle. Hallelujah. There is no pacifist against Satan. We have to battle, and there was a strong battle. The Apostle Paul had a strong battle, but before it came upon the people, the 12 disciples, and all who were then, perhaps before Paul, or became 
disciples before Apollos. There was a spiritual battle going on. And that was very important because demonic powers raised up. And against demonic powers is only the power of God and the weapons of the Spirit, the Word of God, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are match against these things. About a few months ago, I spoke to a young man. He was going through a spiritual battle. I don't want to disclose anything. But I said, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I was alone in in the house. Ella was perhaps shopping. And I went from my desk where I had the telephone with him. Put it on the telephone back. I went on my knees in my study. I've got a wonderful, wonderful recliner. I didn't lay down. No, 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 no. Some people think when you come to prayer meeting, make it as comfortable as you can. No! When we go to prayer meeting, we go on our knees. And I said, I'm going to pray for this brother. What should I pray? I can't repeat the things he said to me. No. I went on my knees and your pastor Werner Schultz he started to speak and pray in tongues and I spoke in tongues in such a wonderful overflowing fullness. Hallelujah. That means for a longer time than usually. I knew the one who speaks in tongues, he speaks to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance is speaking to God because God understands our language. He understands German, English, and speaking in tongues. Is a wonderful hallelujah. Hallelujah. A few days later, and here's my dear brother calling. We had a prayer meeting with this certain person, a prayer time. The Holy Spirit showed me something, and I guess I said it then as well. I saw like a vulture falling down flat on the floor. And I think two or three days later, this particular person was especially behind him to force him to things he can't do before the Lord. This person died. I didn't cause it. Life and death is in the hands of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. But this force that was behind him, there was one force less. And as, as I said then when we stood up from prayer, Colin, do you remember a little bit? Yes? He was there. It's not my fantasy. No, no, no. He was there. And I'm still praying for this young man that he will get a 100% victory. Amen? A hundred percent victory. That's through the Spirit of God. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you got saved or believed? I do Is there a Holy Spirit? Yes, there is the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Full stop. And if you have here heard so many things against so-called Pentecostalism, I don't care. But this book never, never disappoints me. Amen?
Hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. Come into the full stream of the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Lord, all we want, we just don't want to play church here. Coming here on Sunday morning, just hearing nice talks or hair. Oh, Lord. Lord, I pray that this, what I did this morning, was preaching and not talking. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody who knows and believes in you, not being baptized, cause him or her to make this decision now. Said, I want to get baptized. And I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. Oh Lord, give them a desire, a desire. Because you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed be the glorious name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.